Well, we're here with uh, Michael Brazel. Yeah. You got it. Mike, Coach Mike. Coach I Mike, saw yeah. that on your Facebook profile. <laughs> Coach Mike. So, how's your day? Day's good. It's long, but it's good. I do the 5 a.m. classes. So, so do I. Yeah. I do the 5 a.m. and the 6 a.m. Yeah. It's my favorite time of day, though. Yeah, no traffic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I run red lights. Like, no, I don't. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll stop at the red light and I'm like, there's no one coming. I'll just go. I'm always too paranoid. Like, that'll be the one time, like, there's that cop likes it. <laughs> oh, shit. Think about that. Cops are up at 5 a.m.? Probably. Probably. They're Waiting around my, my dumbass. They're always at, like, the gas station <laughs> chilling, so I'm always, like, super careful. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, man, uh, this is Warrior Mindset, where we try to get to the bottom of not sucking. Yeah. Like, dealing with life. Life can really kick you in the ass sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, as you know, as a CrossFit coach. Yes. Let's start there, man. Um, you have a lot of stuff on your resume. Yeah. A lot of stuff that I was very interested in getting to, but I want to get to the the old CrossFit side first yeah, because that's absolutely. I think that's where that's where I first met you mm-hmm. coaching at Cotton Town. Right. Um, that's how I know of you. Um, so, what's up with CrossFit? I mean, what? How long have you been doing that? What got you into it? CrossFit for about three years now, three and a half years, almost four years. Um, I was looking for something for me. I've been teaching group fitness for about 25 years, and I was teaching a bunch of Les Mills classes, body pump, body attack. Wow, okay. um, I was noticing that I wasn't getting the workout that I needed. Like when you're teaching, you're coaching, and in those classes, you're going through all the reps, but you're not getting a workout, you're not having eyes on you. Um, And I reached out to Mark Sanger, when we were mm-hmm. still over on Forest Drive. Forest Drive CrossFit. Forest Drive CrossFit. <laughs> and um, he invited me in. And I'd reached out to a few other CrossFit places, but he was the only one who responded. Like as a coach? You yeah, reached out as, to a, him? as a business. Oh. <laughs> so so, so it's like, probably still how it know, works. Ding, ding, ding. You know, like reach out to people who like email you. <laughs> and I loved it. And I told myself I was going to do it for three months because we had like a three-month contract. I was like, I'm just going to do it for three months. Just give it a try. Um, if it sticks, it sticks. And then like... I fell in love with it, um, started coaching the mobility classes, and then okay, took my level one, got kids training, took my level two, and now I'm... Took the kids course too. Yeah, kids course. Wow, man. I went like all in, and now I'm studying for my... I just three. saw you posted on your L3. Yeah, so now I'm like going for my L3. I just got the acceptance for my application, so now it's like study, study, study. But I love it. I love what it does for our members. Mm-hmm. I love the diversity of people that we have that come in who think they can't do some of the things and, and oh, end up the best walking part, out, like doing these amazing, fun, really cool like, things. Just give it three months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what, and that's what I say. I always use myself as an example. Like I was just going to do three months and now here I am coaching. And I think that speaks to what we've created there too, because our community is what inspired me to want to coach and to, that's cool. you know, and Mark has always been just probably one of the most easygoing mentors that I've ever yeah, had. He's yeah. a cool dude. Yeah. Very Zen. Yeah. Very just laid back, you know, <laughs> throws out a cue from like the left corner of the room. You don't even think he's watching you. And next thing you know, he's like correcting your snap. Those are the best coaches yeah. when you, they can just like hear it. They're like, oh, I heard you. You're wrong. Yeah. Like, man, you're on a different level. And that's the things that I learned from him is like, you can read the books, but mm-hmm. you learn to listen to how the barbell clicks on a deadlift mm-hmm. or um, where it's clicking the knees, like on a snatch or you something. You just tell. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just smell absolutely. <laughs> That's cool. So you went into it as as a coach in the fitness world yeah. uh, beforehand. Were you sort of like you sort of skeptical at all? I wasn't. I had like all you the didn't fall in for any of that. I had all the naysayers or like you know, don't do this. You're gonna get hurt. Yeah, and get injured. Um, as some friends of mine were like PTs, they're like, oh, you're gonna break your every neck. PTs like blah, blah, blah. they pay for my boat. Yeah, every right. single joke. And then like. Those same people after I was doing it were like, hey, what's your, uh, what's the place you Can go to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they were noticing, and I, what I noticed was the injuries that I had from the repetitive classes I was teaching were gone. Right. So for me, and even for my mom, like my mom's 67, and she started doing CrossFit. You got your mom in there. Yeah. And she, was, <laughs> she had this wrist injury, and the doctor wanted to operate. Um, but I said, let's just try like farmer's carry, some TRX work. and she's stronger. She got stronger and she didn't have to have the surgery. Well, that's like so, the base of PT yeah. in general is just to build the thing that's broken stronger. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's cool. L3. So what's the difference between the L2 and the L3? L2, you learn how to coach. So okay. the L1, you 
basically learn what CrossFit is. <laughs> learn how to do air squats and <laughs> yeah. push press. Yeah, and, yeah, and right. typically when you go for your L1, it's the, the folks in the L1 have had that kind of first CrossFit experience mm-hmm. where they're looking to open a box or mm-hmm. um, they have these high hopes for it. The L2 is when you really learn to look at people. Gotcha. And the most intimidating part is you're critiqued on your coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we were there, when I was in the level two, people were crying because like you right, think you job. know how to coach an uh, overhead squat until oh, yeah. those, those red shirts are watching you like completely forget yeah. how to coach oh, yeah. an overhead oh, yeah. squat. There's nothing worse. Yeah. Like that's how, that's how I learned was, right. was doing. And then like, yeah. oh, I, I didn't teach that person right. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, my boss, the the head coach, she was just like, "You screwed that up, and here's how we're going to fix it." And I was like, right. "Cool." And the next person, I got right. But right. And the L three is do it. it's all comprehension. So now you oh, go from okay. learning about CrossFit to really embracing it and coaching better, and now you really take this encyclopedia of CrossFit and you learn to really apply it because that's where that's cool. Um, it's like the PhD of CrossFit. Okay. And then there's like the L four, which hasn't come out yet. But for the L3, it's they give you, I think it's over 100 articles and like 40 videos to watch. And they even tell you in the response, your job is not to memorize, your job is to apply this across a spectrum of scenarios. Right. So right. It just, it's, it's looking at how you coach and how you're able to be the best version of yourself for your members. That's interesting. Yeah. Do, you, do you find, are you worried at all? I mean, I would be worried about going into it with like some preconceived uh, ways of working like this is how I do it and I've been doing it for five years yeah I'm gonna come in here and you're gonna teach me different like but I know this works yeah and I think what it is is really like refining those things you, that's cool I've, I've also found some online groups there's this a po- great podcast called best hour of their day and they have a coaches development course that I signed up for that's cool um, so I think what the invitation is for us as coaches is to continually improve ourselves. If we're not improving ourselves as coaches, we can't improve our members. Right. So for me, the level three means I have to really dig down and study and be a better coach. That's so I'm cool. taking out that L2 and really starting to go back in and being more assertive in my coaching, being, as they say in the L2, relentless in how you coach the air squat, something mm-hmm. as simple as the air squat. Um, I think we get caught up in the fancy things sometimes like yeah, snatches yeah. and the cool yeah. stuff. The basics are what gets you there. Right. And yeah. and that's really what the L3 is, is really coming back to those nine foundational movements cool. and really like hammering yourself in them, but also being able to like look at your members yeah. better. You're deep in this right now. I can tell. I love it. It's like, <laughs> it's like you that's really awesome. have to just bathe in the Kool-Aid at this yeah. point. That's cool, man. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah, that's deep stuff. Uh, yeah. I also, uh, I often think about, uh, you know, we're working with our clients. Like we did a, 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 have you, you heard of Stuart Brower, the, the WTF gym talk guy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, we did a, a year, it was almost a year, uh, working with him on some things. And one of the things we kept hitting on as we were trying to like hone in on branding and what we're about and, you know, your ethos after a tour of some places in, in Charlotte, the spectrum of fitness is so big. And there's a huge part of it that's transactional, right. you know, like, uh, you know, I'm not going to name names, but you know, like you, you're, 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 you pay a fee, you come in, you work out and, right. and that's what they're for. And that's cool. Right. Um, then there's the transformational, right. You know, and you strike me as a person that's going to, that kind of gravitates right to that sort of relationship with your clients. The way I look at it and the way I've seen it in the 25 years I've been doing fitness is there are really two reasons people come to the gym. They're either going to war with themselves or they're falling in love with the process. And my job as a coach is to help them fall in love with the process. Because if they're battling a number on a scale, that's gonna shift every two seconds. If they're battling some image in the mirror that once they achieve, they're gonna let go of this thing that's like giving them that thing they're looking for. Mm. Um, and I think the, an effective coach really helps them fall in love with it. And your passion as a coach has to come through otherwise um right it has to be real yeah you know they're gonna feel like you don't want to be there and has to be real jam yeah Yeah, i dig it yeah so let's talk about the yoga yeah okay so jump to the crossfit i imagine the yoga was pre crossfit oh very much pre fitness coaching (laughs) um so what got you through there let's start at the beginning man so Yoga came about almost like CrossFit did. I was teaching for Bally Total Fitness way back in the day. Mm-hmm. 
and I was doing boot camp classes and cycling classes and these really aggressive, like hard style classes, cardio, kickboxing. I did martial arts forever. Did you? And then, you get into that. yeah. And my, uh, my thing was, I will never ever do cardio kickboxing. And then <laughs> one day I was there to like, I know you're the like, the cardio oh. kickboxing instructor is not here and we need somebody. You're like the only person who knows anything about martial arts in this building. So we gotta have it. So I was like, <laughs> I'd taken a class and thought it was dumb. And then I taught the class and it was phenomenal. And I fell in love with it and I taught it and I taught turbo kick and like these, now I teach body combat, which is phenomenal too as a program. And it's, it was that thing that kind of like was amazing while it was. And then I realized through all of that real heavy, hard hitting stuff, I was really damaging my body. And a friend of mine was teaching this, um, instructor training program. He said, I need a guy in the class. I'll give you the training for free. I just need another dude. I just need a guy <laughs> to take the training. And I said, fine, I'll take the training. And I was, this is dumb, you know, yoga, stretching, who I can stretch. And then first class realized my hips were locked up. Right. I, I realized how right. damaged I was. And then slowly I transitioned to just teaching yoga. Okay. And, um, that journey took me into the spiritual aspects of yoga. It, mm. um, opened me up to how it not only impacts your, your health and wellness, but your physical body. Um, and being able to help people move better through mm-hmm. yoga. And also yoga gives you permission to touch on the emotional aspects of, um, fitness, which like, like martial arts. Yeah. Does. So sometimes there's that missing piece with like fitness where we're like really engaging the physical, but we often forget the mental That's right. emotional side. That's of right. It. So That's, it gives me that permission to do that. Well, from my understanding, yoga is a martial art. Yeah, absolutely is. Right. So you keyed in on that. Yeah. I, I will say I, I've, I've always kind of felt the same way mm-hmm. that you described yeah. yourself. Uh, one of my mentors is Mark Devine. I don't know if you ever heard of mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's a Navy SEAL who teaches yoga. Yeah. And I was like, well, maybe there's something to this. Yeah. You know, and I checked out his uh, yoga for Navy SEALs book or whatever. And I was like, well, if Navy SEALs can do it, I can try it. Right. And, and I, I'm with you, man. I mean, I don't, I never went down the rabbit hole to yeah. go any further than the book or whatever, but I've been to some classes and that shit's legit. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's when you really dig deep into it. And we, on Thursdays, we have a day that's just dedicated to yoga mobility at Canton CrossFit. So it's like legit yoga. We're not doing like Ram Wat or something like that. So the whole day, like the whole day, except in the morning we have a supplemental weightlifting class and it's just basic barbell movement get better with the barbell so it's a day to recover but it's also a day just to do yoga right and we do just legit yoga practice we don't crossfitify it (laughs) right make it yoga you know right um but it's some of our most attended classes which tells me Hmm. people like that meditation at the end they like that thing and we're giving them as much as we can to help make them better not only athletes but just better in life that's cool yeah wow yeah, man, that's a ton of experience. 25 years in the industry. You're kind of blowing me away. Yeah. That's nuts. Not a while. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, all right. So you've got, you've also, you talk about meditation. Mm-hmm. You have meditation on your resume and uh, you've got some blog posts about it and stuff. Yeah. So let's, let's get into that a little bit. Okay. So they probably go hand in hand. Imagine they you do. found one through the other. They do. Actually, I found meditation first. I remember, um, um, Bill Sanford is my, mm-hmm. was my martial art teacher. Like when I was in really? high school. Yeah. Okay. Um, still a good friend of mine, um, mentor talked me into joining the Navy. <laughs> so I joined the Navy because of him. Okay. Couldn't swim and still joined the Navy because he talked me into, um, it and truly one of the best decisions I've ever made. I got to train with like these great martial arts masters. I trained with, uh, Masaki Hatsumi sensei in Japan. So reading about him when I was little, now training with him. That's awesome. And sensei sanford was the one who taught me first how to meditate and it was just visualization just visualize yourself like looking at a wall and practicing your katas mentally right. and that's how what, we built um, retention not to get too nerdy for the we already got nerdy on the crossfit yeah. l1s l2s <laughs> and l3s what um what style is i for, i can't remember what style uh mr sanford does it was aki jiu-jitsu okay jiu-jitsu aki right. Toru was right. the uh japanese jiu-jitsu and then right. we we trained with um rafi pemburin with our niece for a while and it was some like new stuff to the area. I remember we went yeah. to Florida and trained with Mike Sayok. So that was pre, that was like 25 plus years ago. Yeah. This was like, I was right. in high school. So yeah, it was yeah, plus 25 plus. Yeah. yeah. And I was, that's where I started. Like I Nobody was coaching. Nobody knew what jiu-jitsu was around here. No, I was coaching the <laughs> kids class right. for him. Wow. I was coming in 
And I was that like kid that would not leave the dojo, <laughs> so he had to give me a job. So he let me, That's legit. Um, you know, call in collections, and he let <laughs> oh, me. No, <laughs> I was that kid. I would call, "Hey, your bills due," and then I was the the <laughs> guy teaching. He didn't want to do that. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but it was cool. So it was my first real experience in coaching and teaching classes, um, and and watching the kids like learn kata and the discipline, and you know that all carried forward. And I remember like in my younger days when I wasn't, you know, as kind and gentle and <laughs> meditative and we're in the bars and, you know, these places, you know, in the Navy, uh, having to apply wow. some of the stuff that I learned. So it was, it was, you get to the point, you're like, oh, this stuff really does work. You can, yeah. <laughs> That's legit, man. Yeah. How far did you get under him? Uh, with him, I don't remember. Like, I think did, we got yeah, I mean, to... That's a tricky question because like even 20 years ago, yeah. some of those guys didn't even award yeah. green. Yeah, green. and a lot of time... And over the years, I've trained with just so many people who were like, I had a friend on my ship who was a Q Kashinkai black belt. We would just spar and I would right. learn from him. And I found like, that's just how my experience has always been. I found people who wanted to share right. and we would learn from each other. So I've learned, you know, across a variety of martial arts and a guy on my ship was a 10th degree with Masaki Hatsumi Sensei in ninjutsu. And so I got to go it. like, just hang out at his house, which was like, wow, legit cool. Like in wow. the dojo with the trap doors and all the cool yeah, stuff yeah. and see like it having that, stuff just because people like you meet people who care and they want to share. And I think that's something that right. nowadays we don't have as much of, we have people who are it's transactional. Yeah. Man. We want the exchange versus the relationship. And what can I get from you versus let me share this with you right. and, and make look. this a yeah. make this a journey. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. That's, and I think that's what with Mark at Cottontown, he really brought me in and never made me feel like I wasn't like right. I was less than him or anyone else there. Right. So it's always like you have someone who's pulling you along because they're feeding you the stuff that they know is going to help you grow. And I think that's. Um, where yoga and CrossFit and martial arts and all of these things really like kind of merged for me was I've always connected a family as opposed to just someone else who's a teacher. Like mm -hmm. it's always been more family. Like Bill Sanford was more like a father figure than right. he was like right. the, the dojo guy I saw like once a week. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like that much better yeah. with my experiences. So you, you got into meditation first through martial yeah. arts. Yeah. Uh, what did you use it for in martial arts and what did you use it for now in martial arts is more just for re retaining kata just like calming down just the teenager calming down. In the corner. yeah, yeah <laughs> basically yeah. and and now it's definitely taken a much bigger role um teaching people how to connect to their bodies okay in a world that's constantly telling us to be disconnected from our bodies there's an assumption that meditation is about getting quiet and it's more about being okay with the noise because there's no way like to, to quiet the mind um, hmm. it's literally impossible to be in a complete state of like silence. You can put, even put yourself in right. those rooms, but you're still thinking. So there's noise right. in the background. Right. Like those stories yeah. of the, the people who can slow their heartbeat down to like yeah. one beat an hour and yeah. appear dead. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and, and that might be legit. Like if you're in a cave somewhere doing like some <laughs> cool stuff and if that's your path and like your jam, then like do it. But not mo most of us are not going to have that experience. I know you're my people. You sit yeah. in a cave doing cool stuff. <laughs> so, I mean, I love to be in a cave doing cool stuff, but we're <laughs> yeah. in the world doing yeah, right. cool stuff. And I mean, Irmo buying yeah. groceries, right? And even like in CrossFit, like training people to breathe better helps them to move better. So in our yoga class, showing them like how yoga applies to the movements that we do in CrossFit and mm. how breathing also applies to controlling their mindset in class. If you can fully be present for a one rep max without worrying if you're going to miss it or not, just the very act of being with the barbell wow. can help you to get the weight off of your head. And if you miss it, you're not like fatigued and scared and worried. You have taken that mental place and have shown up fully to the barbell. That's some legit coaching, yeah. man. So that's the deep, yeah, that's the deep stuff and, and getting them to that point you know, just exposing them to it. And I find like it doesn't take much to get them there as long as they're just exposed to it. And we have to be willing to be vulnerable enough to show them all that cool stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. You got to let go of your ego a little yeah. bit. So what's your, what's your go-to meditation practice for yourself? Like, like, let me give you a scenario. You're in our mm -hmm. buying groceries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. No, seriously. Yeah. Like what's your, like maybe you're about to hit a, you know, your one rep max on whatever your favorite lift is, whatever. But like, what's your go-to meditation practice? I just take a deep breath and place my hand. Like I place my hand on my chest and I feel myself breathing. 
that is the easiest okay. and quickest way to come back to your body. And it's something I teach a lot of my students and clients. Um, if they ever feel like they're just disconnected, just place your hand on your chest and literally feel yourself breathing, mm. feeling where the breath is in your body and knowing that the invitation is always to breathe deeper. When we are able to connect to the breath, then we're able to, to be more present. The thing that's taking the breath away from us, and we're in a society that is living on the inhale, so we're, <gasps> and nobody right. breathes out. And I'll listen to classes when we're doing movements, right. and I can hear people not exhaling. Yes. And they're already coming in with limited breath capacity, and they're trying to do these amazing lifts and things, and they can't breathe. And they're gasping for air. And it's part of our job, one, to teach them how to breathe during the lift, but if we can right. teach them that this is okay to breathe deep at the grocery store, right. <laughs> when right. someone cuts in front of you, right. and you're in a rush to get to class, you know, it calms things down a bit, lets you be right. the center of the storm versus the storm. I dig that. Yeah. So uh, two things mm -hmm. in terms of breath practice. Uh, so I, I teach, I teach martial arts myself mm -hmm. and, um, you know, we, we have this, I won't bore you with the details of the process, but there's a process, right? There's mm -hmm. certain levels, yeah. Let's, you know, yellow, orange, blue, like yeah. one, two, three. And there's a, there's a path that they go through in learning how to breathe. Mm -hmm. Like you you mentioned the word kata, yeah. so you know what that is. Um, and it's, it's one of my favorite things to get someone f so far from that first level where they're, they, they're struggling, like they're focused on just remembering what they're doing, right. like don't screw this up, don't yeah. screw this up, don't screw yeah. this up, you know. So we we practice positive imagery, like you know, not don't screw this up. Like I'm going to fix this, I'm going to fix this, right? right. You're just trying to re realign yeah. them all the way to the end where they're learning to breathe through the motion. And and I like to just walk through the floor and I can hear he's breathing right, yeah. you're not breathing right, you're breathing strong. It's just a beautiful thing, right? Um, what kind of advice? What kind of advice would you have for me for uh, one coaching those people? Mm -hmm. Like, you know what a kata is or whatever. Yeah. It could be a lift. But what what kind of advice would you give me for helping somebody breathe better? One of the best piece of advice is you're not going to invoice me for this one. No, <laughs> this one's free charge. Um, is just let the breath be natural. The body knows how to breathe, and if you just tune in to the body's natural capacity to breathe. It's when like on a lift where someone is trying to um, inhale and exhale in the wrong direction mm -hmm. and then the lift gets significantly harder and they turn like six colors of red. <laughs> yeah. Or if you're in a situation where someone's getting aggressive, the way you control your breath can you can entrain them to slow right. their breathing patterns right. down. You start talking slower, makes you calmer, which makes you more present, right. and more capable to use right. all the Absolutely. skills. Um, so then it becomes like bunkai, where you're pulling out the breath as one of the movements of the kata. So That's now cool. it's not like this thing I'm having to really think about, but where can the breath really take this movement to where it's supposed to go gotcha. without me having to change much because right. that's where life application happens. You're already, yeah, yeah it's already hard enough. If I can breathe naturally and understand how, where my breath is in my body. And that's always a question I'll ask people. It's like, where's your breath today? And, and they'll immediately like, stop breathing. Yeah, my and chest. Like, right good. here, right? right? So am I taking the breath all the way down or am I breathing real shallow? Mm. And we don't look at it in judgment because maybe we need some shallow breaths today. Maybe I just have to get through something. Gotcha. But if I'm aware of the fact that I'm breathing more shallow, then maybe I can invite myself to breathe deeper. That's cool. Yeah. Wow. The other, the other point I was going to talk about with uh, breath training was, um, again, Mark Devine. Mm. I'm a big follower. Yeah. Follow him forever. But uh, he teaches one of his go-to things is box breathing. Yeah. You probably know that. Yeah. But, but where does that fall for you? I mean, I know it's not the most yeah. advanced technique, and yeah. he says that too. But and, and actually, I think it is because it requires you to be real conscious about how you're breathing. Anything that we're doing, like breath restriction, or like you know, Wim Hof is like the big thing now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Inhale, hold your breath. You know, I, I think anything where you're being purposeful around how you're breathing trains you to breathe deeper. Right. Okay. Um, but for me, I've found like because I've done like all these different yoga styles of breathing mm. or breath of fire where you're inhaling and exhaling, you're hyper oxygenating the body. They have right, their right. purpose, but I've often found just like CrossFit, we get to the snatch without working on the air squat. If you can't breathe naturally, 
then all those other things become like, if I can't do box breathing, then I'm not breathing correctly. Mm. So I got you learning to breathe just super, just like your own body's natural capacity to breathe and not trying to change. It's like really just watching like the inhale and the exhale as Mm. this very natural (laughs) inhale and exhale. And, and then what the breath is giving you, like every exhale is creating space for the next breath. How much space do you need? So if I need more space in my body for oxygen, I take deeper exhales, you know, okay. take deeper inhales. I need more oxygen. I need more power. I need to pull something in, I dig it. you know, so we can really like get into the metaphysics of breathing, but I find just simply breathing right. is, is the a, hardest like skill to teach just to support the physical task. Yeah. That's where most of, I mean, yeah. I mean, you tell someone to sit up and meditate, they start changing how they breathe, they start changing how they right. sit. Like, like what are yeah. you doing? Yeah, and there's this one style of meditation they do called instinctive meditation where just how you show up is, you know, meditation can dance. Like, you don't have to, like, just lay there or sit still. You can just move, you can dance, you can, like... Right, I, I, I have, I never, I'd never done it before. Yeah. We, we never did it as part of my uh, practice, yeah. my martial arts practice. I mean, I, and I still don't do it like yeah. like i said everybody thinks well i don't do that but i i, I would say i do meditation because i think kata is definitely meditation oh absolutely um i i can't really say like you know sometimes like a crossfit wide like if you've done it a lot of times and you're doing it again you can kind of maybe get in that state yeah. maybe i don't know but uh i definitely think kata is and then mm-hmm. transferring doing kata in your mind like yeah. visualizing it mm-hmm definitely is and that shit is hard to do yeah and, and i purposefully because i was training for you know uh black belt first degree like years ago and like i was like okay i've i've, I've been told learn to visualize this stuff yeah. you know and didn't tell me how but just learn to visualize it so i would just lay in bed i'm like okay i'm going to try to go through the number one basic thing mm-hmm. and i couldn't do it i get yeah. like halfway through yeah and then I did it some more and did it. So over time I was doing like four and five, like one, two, three, four, five katas in a row. And I was like, I, I think this is meditation. I think this is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's really what it's, what it is for the person. I think right. there's just so many different ways to meditate. And I've done everything from chanting to stargazing to, you know, wow. candle gazing. There's tons of ways to meditate, <laughs> but whatever works for you is the best form of meditation, whatever helps you to be more calm and more centered. Um, right. I used to give some folks, some clients of mine who were just had a hard time, just like watch a funny YouTube video for three minutes. Interesting. Like, that can be meditation. If it makes you feel good for three minutes, then why not? Hmm. What do you think about like, like assisted med- meditation with like, um, whatever, like drugs or whatever. I mean, people, I mean, that? there's tons of like thought on it. Um, I think it opens some doors, but it also just becomes one more tool. Like even Ram Dass, who was pretty right. much a pioneer, uh, him and Timothy Leary were pioneers in LSD. Right. Even he said that the whole purpose of something like LSD is to get you there so you can bring something back with you. Mm-hmm. But we get caught in the, I need to stay there because that feels better than being here. I'm sure it does. here means we have to deal with some stuff. Right. Um, so it's what you do when you come back from those places, I think. And now they're using, um, those drugs for helping people at end of life. So when we're talking about death and dying and helping us to breathe into some of these bigger concepts, I think that's where those things may serve a greater purpose. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, we're going to keep going through here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're segueing me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good job. Uh, you've got grief companion in death doula. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah. I want to get to that first, but um, I, I do want to talk about some of the grief stuff. Yeah. Um, what, what's the deal there? Like, what, how do you how do you become a grief coach? I mean, so part of my work uh, before I moved to South Carolina was I was doing Reiki energy healing um, with the yoga. So mm-hmm. with the yoga space, we're in a much more emotional space, and. I often find that when people show up to something like yoga or even fitness, we don't really know why they're there. Um, but I've encountered enough people to know that a lot of times we're there because we're trying to get better at something or we're trying to like move through something. There's something like that inspires us to take that next step sometimes. Okay. And showing up to grief is something that we're not taught. 
we live in a very grief phobic society. Yes. So we're not taught how to do those things. Um, and what I find is sometimes people have these emotional like releases in classes within CrossFit grief is built into CrossFit. Like the hero wads are a way that we grieve. That's right. So there's grieving built that's into, right. you feel that energy. Which, I do. I've always felt yeah, that energy, which is amazing, which I think that's, you know, for CrossFit's credit, it, it builds a place where you memorialize those who have yeah. died. There's only one reason you're yeah. doing Murph. It ain't to feel good. Yeah. yeah. And I think <laughs> there's, there's something to that. And I think, being a grief coach just means being able to show up to someone in a space where we're not judging the grief. We're not saying you have to grieve a particular way because everyone grieves differently, but having someone be able to bear witness to what you're experiencing mm. as okay. a companion. Gotcha. Cause we're not trying to change anything. Um, if we need to offer some healing or ritual or movement to help you process your grief, then that's what we'll do. But we're not going to, trivialize it or mm. do anything that's not helpful to you in that moment. And I've led some workshops around moving into grief where we use movement as a way for us to process how we're feeling. And okay. it just lets us put context. What kind of movement like yoga, <laughs> yoga yeah. or whatever. I'll, I'll ask the person if we're doing a workshop or a one-on-one -on -one session, what needs to move today? Do you need to sweat today? Is that going to help you move your grief today? Hmm. Um, do you just need to meditate today? Do we need to like do yoga today? Uh, and they get to decide. And so I get to pull from this vast array of tools that I have. Wow. And it helps me to integrate all the stuff that I do to help this person figure out what that next step is. Because grief disconnects us from the body. And if I can help them to just reconnect to this thing, then they can be here, which then lets them do something. Um, whether we take a next step or um, just sit with themselves or cry or whatever they need to do next, it lets them be connected to their bodies in that way. Hmm. So that's just the invitation that grief offers us is to just be present in our bodies. And, you know, we're, we we're living in a place where we're seeing numbers of dead, like on the TV. Mm -hmm. So we're grieving lots of stuff. And even if we don't know what we're grieving, there's a lot of stuff like hitting us everywhere. Oh yeah. Um, we have, yeah. you know, Memorial Day. <laughs> it's yeah, whole yeah. day That's what it's about. Yeah. To like we have several grieving. of those, yeah. Um, and I, I know there's some groups that are pushing for, um, even for the White House to declare like some Yeah, some the coronavirus space. Memorial Day. Yeah, thing, yeah, and there's like some grief space right. in there where I think like when we give ourselves permission to feel, we give ourselves permission to heal. I think that's important. It's a nice tagline, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that's, that's awesome. And so you came to that after years of fitness yeah. and, and I think it's always things. just kind of been in there, but the past year really witnessing people, it's just always work. I've been doing it like more in the background. If I see someone grieving or going through a loss, then we can context that a bit right. through movement and fitness and right. energy healing or meditation. You strike um, me as a person that just wants to help. I do. That's my path in this world is to help people. Um, and, and more so to help them connect to their bodies. Because I, I find that like, even as a death doula, our job as death doulas is to educate around death and dying. And that's something else we're not taught about. There's, so much around death and dying that I don't, I've only ever heard that doula term yeah. in terms of birth. Yeah. Did you, is that a, is that like a thing or did yeah, you come up like, with that? Oh, it's I mean, a thing thing. It's, okay. um, I went through a training with this group called going with grace. Um, a Lua author. She is the founder of the training I went through, but I've seen her on Facebook for years and I've always wanted to take her training. Um, it wasn't until I lost over the course of like four months, we lost our three little dogs and getting hit with grief and loss and seeing the loss around me, I wanted to know more about death and dying. Okay. Cause we, we talk about it, you know, superficially. Um, but right. what death and dying and talking about death in particular, especially around fitness is fitness isn't going to make you live longer because you can sure. walk out and get hit by a bus. Right. But if you understand how death works, that we're all going to die. So that's a spoiler alert. <laughs> we're all going to die. Except me, man. Yeah. If, just want you yeah. To know right now. <laughs> yeah. But if, if I can recontext fitness into, it can help me live a higher quality of life mm. versus extending my life. Then I get to enjoy my life better for mm. whatever time I have left. So then it takes the pressure off. Like whew, I don't have to live 80 more years. Like right. I can just enjoy 
if it's 80, it's 80. If it's today, it's today. But I get to enjoy it completely and fully. And a death doula helps people in different ways. So death doula gets to define what they do with that title. So some people will sit vigil. Um, I've gone to hospice and I've done um, pinnings for some of the veterans who are in hospice. Um, sometimes it's just educating people about advanced directives and the paperwork around death and dying. It's having conversations with your family. Because of the death right. doula training, right, right. I get to talk to my mother around about wills and it took the fear out of the conversation because they're important right you don't want to yeah. i don't want to have this really sad conversation yeah. like and you realize like having those out. conversations is the best gift we can give the people right. we love because there's no there's no it's only clarity at the end and we know what we want done with our bodies we know what we want done um you know do not resuscitates and those kinds and of they've things. made those yeah. decisions right and we're and we're talking about it which which takes the pressure off that this has to be some hidden taboo mm -hmm. thing and what i found is because putting those titles on more open spaces like my facebook i have conversations at the gym i have conversations everywhere now oh, about death and dying so, so people, you're like what the heck is that yeah right. and people just want to talk about death and dying and, hmm. and when you know there's someone you can talk to it about it and they're not gonna look at you weird right um, we can have these great philosophical questions about what happens after we die yeah, or into it. Yeah. we can talk about like, what do I need to know? My mother's dying and I don't right. know what paperwork I need. <laughs> you know, like what yeah, do I do? Let's get to the basics. You know, right. so it can be something as hmm. simple as that or as abstract as that. And I think having that space where we can even meditate on dying, like, what is that? You know, what does it mean to die and what are my fears around it and what can I do? to be more present in my fears. doesn't mean the fears aren't valid. It just means I should be aware of them. Wow. You know, I can help you live, man. Yeah, absolutely. That's what you're talking about. Everything you're talking about yeah. is just how to live. And that's what the invitation death offers us is death is an invitation to live more present mm -hmm. and to be more, um, just inspired by life because death is that thing. We think like things are going to last forever, like relationships. Eventually someone's going to die. So I had someone tell me one time, every relationship has a sad ending. Um, but when you're aware that this person may not be there forever, like the little things that may annoy you become you things that, yeah, you can yeah. like say, you know, this right. is the thing I, I really love about this right. person right. or this thing that I have, or this person that I am, hmm. it lets us age. It lets us be present in our bodies. It's like, if I notice like my knees are hurting when I'm doing certain, it's because I'm aging. It's okay to age. It's okay <laughs> to get old and it's perfectly fine to die. But it sucks. Yeah, it does. No, it they, does. They yeah. say there's only two things in life that are certain, death and taxes. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> Try to avoid both as much as possible. <laughs> exactly. Do you find that uh, the people you encounter in 25 years of doing this stuff, mm -hmm. do you find most people are searching? They're looking for something. Yeah. Is that, is that kind of like what's led you down this path? You're, yeah. you're trying to provide that help for people. Yeah. I think they're, they just need a landing point. Mm -hmm. And I think they need someone who's not there just to take their money. Um, they need someone who's not there just to run them through some template program. Right. Um, they need someone who sees them and they need someone who sees them at their core. Right. You know, when you can talk to your members about something like death and dying, you know, if you've taken like a bunch of walls down, um, are you sure you, you're not like some kind of monk? Yeah. <laughs> I think you're a monk, dude. Well, you know, I think once I, it was like, I, I crossed monkhood like 10 tattoos ago. I think. I think so I think you did. <laughs> and, and that's the thing people always ask about the tattoos and I'm like, well, I put them on my face. I wasn't so afraid to, I was yeah, going to, I can, I, I, at this point there's no separating like me from my, my path. Like, so it can't really yeah, get any yeah, weirder. Yeah, yeah. Than this, so when I talk about death and dying, it's like, oh, it's no weirder than like the flower of life on your forehead. You yeah. kind of, you kind of, <laughs> is that like a symbol of your commitment to what you're doing? Yeah, I think it was. I think they just started showing up, and I had this amazing tattoo artist friend of mine in D.C. who mm -hmm. just never said no. <laughs> and <laughs> at one point, it's he was the best like, slash worst friend ever. Yeah, most people. He said most people sleeve their arms. I'm like, well, we've already crossed the line. <laughs> Why are full, bro? Now? Like, let's just keep on keeping on. And, but what I find is they're either walls or windows, depending on who's looking. So wow. there's an invitation. And I find even I have, huh. um, conversations that aren't pleasant with people about my tattoos. I would have never had that conversation with this person otherwise. So it's an invitation for us to talk about something wow. that huh. draws them in 
good or bad, but we get to talk. And I think that's the, the thing that's missing wow. in a lot of times and a lot of spaces. And even there's differences, we can still talk. And it's like, like a challenge for you yeah. to convince someone otherwise sometimes. No, I just, you I just care. like to listen to what right. people have to say. I'm more of a, you know, I'll take your perspective. See, I kind of, that's how I kind of land too. Like, yeah. you know, we were talking about coronavirus a little bit. Yeah. People fall on either side of this man yeah. and it's been politicized. I mean, not yeah. making this a political, yeah. but like I, I, I tend to fall on the side. Maybe it's cause martial artists and yeah. you know, we, we, we don't hide from conflict. We learn to sort of redirect conflict yeah. and that's partly what it's yeah. about. And I just enjoy listening to, to whatever their arguments are and just yeah. trying to figure out like, where are you coming from with some of this? It's like either side right. can be bonkers. Right. And it's like, uh, I just enjoy like, yeah trying to figure out what's going on inside their head I think, and talking with them yeah. about it. Everyone has a little piece of the answer. And yeah, you're right. You know, it's, it's almost like if you get to either politics or religion, you start like people start like their mm-hmm. hackles go up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's because it's they're protecting their turf. Yeah, right. And I think when you, when you, when you, you have no turf, man. Yeah, when you put like two, <laughs> like when I get to the pearly gates, I have like a tattoo for whatever, <laughs> whoever's <laughs> yeah, standing there, yeah, they're yeah. going to let me in. Cause I'm like, yeah. Oh, I got that one. You know? <laughs> so whatever. I had, a, I had a friend in high school that used to say, um, I don't know what gods exist, but I'm going to worship all of them. Cause yeah. I don't want to piss any of them off. Never know. Like whoever's there. Right. And I think when you allow yourself, even the diversity of, reading about looking at looking into in fitness too like if you're if you're so opposed to you know some of the box fitness places that are opening up and mm-hmm. you're like this is your jam but you should know what they're doing like there's probably yeah, something I, they're doing great and there's probably absolutely, stuff they're not absolutely absolutely and, and i think the willingness to to just explore everything life has for you gives you the invitation just to be better it's an abundance yeah. mindset yeah and it lets you just show up more present to your members like you're mm-hmm. going to have those people who come in who are from a diverse background if you're rigid they're going to feel that you know yeah. they won't feel the invitation from you yeah i was taught uh it was a couple years ago i was i always thought i had an abundance mindset you know i pride myself yeah. on it but i realized i didn't fully until someone was um uh we were in our in, in one of the businesses and and you know i was like man you know what happens if you know a competing business moves two doors down I was like, that would suck. Yeah. And the person I was talking to was like, nah, that'd be cool. Because if they're coming down the street, they're choosing which one of us they're going to work with, not am I even going to do this in the first place. Right. I was like, holy shit. Like, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. cool. That's that's the way we should be thinking about yeah. stuff. And I didn't, it never really quite clicked until he had explained it that way. And yeah. Yeah. I dig that, man. Um, all right. One of your quotes you have, I pulled it out. Showing up is the hardest thing we'll do. Yeah. What do you mean by that? What's up? Um, it's like someone comes to CrossFit, the first thing they ask, like, what's the hardest thing we do here? It's like, just walk through the door. <laughs> yeah, right? It's like, that's commitment. Right? This And like, these things aren't things you can just do once and and walk away from expect to get results. So the hardest thing we'll ever do for anything is show up, whether it be our relationships, um, whether it be to our capacity to grow. Yeah. Um, showing up to our rigidity, showing up to our limitations. Like if my knees hurt, show up to that. Like don't crush yourself today. Give yourself yeah. rest. Right. Um, being able to just be there lets you then get what you need from that thing. So, you know, showing up is the absolute hardest thing we do. Even conversations and arguments, right, people man. are already like figuring out what their next argument is without even listening to what the person's saying. Yeah. It's like, show up to the conversation, let them say, and then take it in. Maybe you won't change your mind. Right, but I don't have to be your enemy just because we yeah. don't agree. And I think that's where the walls come up. Everyone's like already arguing yeah. their next statement without even listening yeah, to what the person's yeah. saying. You're so right, man. That's that's a good. We just one. want to be heard and seen. I, I like think. that. It is, and, and I'll say the the days that I don't want to go. Yeah. You know, the days I don't want to go to jujitsu. Yeah. They're the best days whenever I actually yeah. get there. I usually yeah. learn the most. Yeah. And I think it's because of my state. I'm like, man, I don't want to be here. Well, I'm here, so fuck it. Yeah. You know, and then you learn. You've yeah. turned off the stupid part of your brain. You got over whatever boundary was keeping you from being there, and yeah. you like got in the car, you drove down yeah. the street, and you, you got there, you showed up, and then. Even if it's a bad day, you still showed up. You showed up to the bad. You showed up to the bad days too. Still I mean, won, yeah. You still won. Yeah. Do you find? Uh, I mean, you've been coaching people for twenty five years, so you probably got some good stories and some good experiences. Mm-hmm. Do you? And I don't even know how to fully explain this, but you got to coach me on this. So, let's say we have someone we're working with. Yeah. 
and we're working with them, not just on the physical getting better, but we understand that they have some things that are limiting them and we get closer and we get closer. And then that person is getting close to the hard thing that they have to deal with. But then all of a sudden they start getting distant from you and distant from mm -hmm. you. And then maybe they don't want to talk to you anymore mm -hmm. or even put up that wall of like, well, yeah. you're just my coach. So, you know, this stuff's personal. Yeah. I'm sure you've encountered that. Yeah. Every now and then you'll get someone who doesn't want that part of it, mm -hmm. you know, and that's cool too. Like, I think the most, one of the most powerful things is owning our boundaries. If someone says, Hey, you know, um, I just want to, I just want to lift it. I don't need your jokes. Right. I don't need your crap today. Right. right. Like, don't even look at me today. Fine, <laughs> right. Let's do it. Like right. I, I can do that for you right. because my ability as a coach is they showed up. Like, even if they don't want me there, they're angry at me because something's bad in their life. I right. could be that for them today because yeah. that's my job. That's my job is to, and it always sounds like whooshy when you say it, but I'm there to love every single one of them. Like mm -hmm. I love my members completely. And if they're having a crap day, then like they can take it out on me because I'm, I'm big enough. You will. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm going to take it on the barbell later. So, <laughs> you know. And, you know, I think having a good support system to Mark and I and um, mm. Aaron Davis, our new member coordinator, we talk a lot. So right. if we have like some things that we need to discuss, we, right. we discuss them. Like right. if I'm having um, a hard time navigating a relationship with a member, like we talk and right. he'll talk to me. And so we have that open space, but we also have this real open door policy with our members. Like you can, they can reach out to me on Facebook, my right. cell phone, whatever right. they need, whatever they need. So we have this, we kind of built this place where there are no doors on our walls. If you need the wall, it's there, but there's no doors. So you can always right. come through. That's cool. And we have this place where we do communicate what we need to each other. And sometimes it requires having those tough conversations. Yeah. Um, you gotta let them know. Yeah. In both directions. But I, I find that when you give them the space, but are still there, you know, those walls come down. Yeah. They know. eventually do. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> or they leave. Uh, yeah. Or they, or they leave. And, and, you know, and I think, you and know, that's you okay. Look, and that's right. okay too. Cause, right. cause maybe they need something from somewhere else. And, mm -hmm. and I, and I've even in my 25 years, I've helped people find other places. They're like, oh, Hey, you know, yeah. working with you is not my jam. You know, yeah. we're just not it's meeting just not... out of eye. Well, fine. I know these 10 coaches over here that I think you're right. going to work really well with. Right. And I think too, it also like brings down those walls within our communities. Cause there's just like, well, I don't want oh, them yeah. going to the big box gym. Oh, it's like, well, yeah. maybe they, they want like those classes that maybe they want to yeah. go run on a treadmill. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. They're doing something. <laughs> yeah. 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 And something's better than absolutely nothing. Yeah. That's what I always, I would rather you be doing that yeah. than paying me to do nothing. Well, yeah. do both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want you to go, <laughs> yeah. but like, you know, yeah. um, I, and I think that's the, the thing with right. like, you know, you, you can't fight someone's ocean. Like if they're, yeah. if they're like having a tough time and they need something else, yeah, it's yeah. okay for them to go seek that thing. But and right. I think the invitation is, Hey, if you ever want to come back, we're here for yeah, you. Yeah. We're always here. Come hang out. Like I've been to places where, um, I stopped the membership. I needed to take a break and they got pissed. It's like, I have too. Yeah. And now Why I'll never go back there. No, not even dangerously. You could toxic. give me a free like three months and mm -hmm. I'm probably not going to go back because yeah, that's a good way to not have return visitors. You shut me down. Mm -hmm. Didn't ask like why I was leaving or, you know, yeah. didn't check in. And say, hey, we noticed you're not back. Would you want to come back? You know, nothing just like goodbye. Fine. You're a traitor. <laughs> Don't anyway. let door hitch on the way Whoa, out. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah, I've seen okay. That. <laughs> um, yeah. I think one of the hardest things yeah. for me is to continually remind myself that it's not about me. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. sort of, um, that's, that's why I connect with like coach divine so much because yeah. he, he preaches that master yourself, serve others. Right. Yeah. Like it's not about you. Yeah. Like this is not why you're here. If, if yeah. you're here to coach someone to make your own ego feel better, you're probably in the wrong business. Cause you're not going to last very long. Yeah. You're definitely not going to get respect from the people you're coaching. Cause they're going to yeah. smell that shit from a mile away. Yeah. We've all seen coaches like that. Because then, then you only work with the people who are doing great. Yeah, right. Like you, now you're like coaching like the one rep max snatches. Yeah. The guys that are like lifting 400 pounds. Yeah, they'll they, do that on their own. They don't really need yeah. you actually. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're the going to get there. Yeah, the guy on the PVC pipe is the one that needs to stand next to him and cheering him on. That's and, right. And, and that's the one that when he's now snatching 400 pounds, it's going to like Yeah, I love really, white belts. Yeah. My yeah. sensei always said that. He always, when I was coming up through the, the early ranks, he would always say like, my favorite students to work with are the white belts. Yeah. I'd be like, what the hell am I? Like, yeah. I'm, I'm a brown belt, damn it. Why are you ignoring, you know? But I yeah. get it now. Like, yeah. that is the most fun because one, as a coach, they're a blank slate. Mm -hmm. 
but two, you, you're, it's the newness of like getting into what they're doing and being there for them. And, and they need it the most. Yeah. I remember, uh, Sensei Sanford saying there's at some point in some traditions you go from, it's just a couple belts. It's like white and then it's black and then you're back to white again. So oh, it's man, like, there's like, there's no belts in between. It's like, you're a beginner, <laughs> then you're a master and then you're back to being a beginner. You're a beginner, you're a beginner master. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you, you yeah. never really get to attach your ego to the thing. It's like, you shouldn't, yeah. you just like are absorbing like yeah. all the stuff, you know, that's the way it should be. Yeah. If you're, if you're miss, if you're not, you're missing out yeah. on a whole bunch of stuff. Um, okay. So I've got a couple things here. Um, uh, I've just got this headline and I want to see where it goes. Ways to let go of grief. Mm. I just wrote that down after reading, reading your bio. I just wrote these topics down ways to let go of grief. So you're a grief counselor. Yeah. You're a death doula. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's say, let's say I just broke up. Like I just got divorced from my wife and it's yeah. killing me. Yeah. Right. Like, how would you, how would you approach that? How would you help me? Well, first I would just ask you to breathe. Yeah. Right. Because the enormity of it is too big for us to like dissect right now. Um, I would let you just feel what you have to feel and just hold that space for you. I would not ask you what you need, but if you're my friend and we're navigating that space and you're sharing that with me, I would bring you food or I would wow, yeah. show up and help like clean the house. Like if, if you needed like a place to stay, I would help to provide or to facilitate that. Like, I think there are ways to show up without platitudes like, oh, it, it gets better. It doesn't like right. my dog. Right. Yeah. yeah my dog died like a year ago and I still, it feels like it was yesterday. Right. And I think we minimize and trivialize grief with platitudes and everyone's grief is different. Um, and it's just even just sending you a daily reminder, like, Hey, I'm thinking about you. If you need to talk, I'm here. Like, I think too, we have the divorce and then the months after people start forgetting about the divorce, you haven't forgot about it. Right. Or like, say, let's take it even further. And your wife dies. I'm not getting divorced by the way. Yeah. Or like, just, the, yeah, even further, like you're watching this. Yeah. <laughs> still love you. <laughs> or like your wife dies. Right. Right. Or whatever. And yeah. then there's, they say there's after death, there's everyone mourns with you. They bring you the mm. souffles and the casseroles. Right. And then it's like, well, why are you still grieving? It's been like three months now. Yeah, aren't you over this yet? Yeah. And I don't think we ever get over certain losses. Like even with divorce and those losses, mm. there's a death that happens. We've, we've, the marriage has died. Right. right. And after just letting you hold that space, then we start looking at what can we do to take next steps? Like what's that next step for you? How do we navigate your grief for you? And maybe it's movement, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's just, you know, anger management classes, maybe it's something to give you like this place to just release. Um, and that could take forever. Have you seen the place in, um, where is it? Irmo? I don't know where it is, but you can go yeah, in and smash, smash stuff. Yeah. shit. Like sometimes that's what we need. We right. just need to smash. We need to like <laughs> just like break things, uh, yeah. you know. And I just think need to go and do some cleaning jerks. Yeah, and I think right. that's that's that thing. And I think you know, continuously showing up to someone who is grieving as the friend we say they are, um, also not pushing them to move beyond their grief, is really the only thing we can do um, because there's no way to let go of grief. It, it holds us as long as it mm, needs to, as long as it wants to, it's when someone dies or when a relationship is lost, it it's gone, you know, and, and now you're trying to figure out and navigate the waters without it. And having a friend who can help you find those next lampposts is important. Mm. And there's some really great books. There's a really great book called, um, it's okay to not be okay. I've seen that cover. Yeah. And it's amazing. It really talks about this whole thing. Like you do not have to move on. You grieve forever mm. if you need it. And most of us will grieve forever. If you've lost something close to you. Oh, it'll come back. Remember yeah, it comes back in shades. And yeah. It's like you, flavors. it doesn't, it doesn't hurt as much and it's okay to be joyful and to grieve. Right. Yeah. Right. Like the other day there was these three little birds that I um, saw that on yeah. you. Yeah. So I've watched them grow. And then I went out one morning and this cat had pulled them off oh, of the shit. thing. Right. So there's three dead little birds there. I've watched them. I grieved them. Like I cried. I picked them up. I went home from work, like on my break to bury them. Right. Cause that helped me to grieve. So I think one having conversations about grief is important because it lets us own 
space for grief. Right. Um, so that when the relationship ends or something bad happens or a loss happens, it's not some foreign thing. Like we're talking about grief. So oh, this is what grief feels like. And now I have one, the best tool is just being able to talk about it mm. when I don't feel like I have to hide it. And especially with men, we're taught that we're not allowed to show our emotions oh, yeah. and hold our emotions. Oh, absolutely. Um, so the mindset is like, if it's not machismo, it's, um, yeah. so being able to be soft around loss, mm -hmm. I think is important. And, and one, it I mean, helps honestly, us. ultimately it's probably one of the strongest things you can be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because if not, you're just a mess of a human that can't deal with your emotions. That's not strong. Yeah. It's going to crush you. <laughs> yeah. You're a jerk. Yeah. Usually when you're in that mode yeah. and um, you're going to get angry and you're going to go through those seven plus stages of grief. <laughs> right. And, you know, it's, you're going to you're going to grieve in multitudes. And, and typically when we grieve too, we're not just grieving that thing that we lost. We're, we're grieving all the sparks and pieces of grief that mm -hmm. we'd have from the past that are now coming back to be grieved also. Interesting. So when you lose a relationship, you remember all the relationships you all lost. All the other They passion. all come back, you know? Yeah. So you don't forget that. <laughs> no. The brain is a mysteriously, I, yeah, terribly I it, wired thing. It's like soil. We're, it's like, it's, it's all this beautiful, dark, rich stuff. And there's shards of stone in the soil, but we have to tend it. You know, you're going to cut your fingers, you're going to cry a little bit, but your blood goes in, your tears go into the soil to grow something. Wow. And if you can look at what am I growing through my pain and through my grief, and I might not even know what I'm growing, but I'm still tilling the soil. I dig that. Yeah. Wow. All right. Uh, cutting people off who aren't good for you. Absolutely important. <laughs> Scissors. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I, have I just did a I just did a uh, a standalone episode about that very subject. Yeah. That's uh, also why I threw it in there. But I have no problem like shutting a door. <laughs> yeah, I think we have. Um, this is a weird thing that we have to like let everyone in. It's like nah. Like the minute if 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 something needs to be cut out, we have to be able to own our boundaries right. to be healthy. And I think it's it's important to have healthy boundaries because healthy boundaries allow us to be present. And when you know when something's not good for you, then it's okay to cut it out, whether it be mm -hmm. people, situations. And one of the best things to do is look, make a list of where you need some boundaries in your life. And I think sometimes it's those of us who are healers and helpers who have the hardest time with boundaries. We will remain in toxic places because we want to fix and we want to heal and we want to help. Yeah. So, that was, um, something I, I just went through, uh, found this cool article on, um, uh, what's the topic? Energy vampires, yeah. right? That person. Yeah. But what I was thinking through was not like, it's, it's easy yeah. to be like, well, that person's an energy vampire. They suck for me. Yeah. I'm out. But, yeah. but the, the flip side of that, the, the symbiotic relationship as the coach mm -hmm. mindset is that when you see someone like that, you want to help that person. Yeah. And so that becomes a very toxic uh, can become a very toxic relationship. Whereas yeah. you're trying to help them and they're just sucking in all the energy yeah. that you give them. Like I fi I fired clients before because we're just not meshing well. They yeah. wanting more than I can give them. Yeah. Um, they're placing expectations on me that I will never be able to meet. Wow. Um, and I think it's important for us, uh, you know, entrepreneurs, coaches, business owners to say, these are the people I want to work with. And it's okay to say no yeah. to people you don't want to work with because yeah. I forget who said it. No is a complete sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and we all know we've had that client that's come in that we let through the door and we're like, this is going to be bad. <laughs> and then we like completely live yeah, that affirmation. We're like, this yeah. is not going to be good. Yeah. And now they signed the contract with me. You, you have like, a mess. Oh, man. Yeah. We're going to be here for, for a while. Yeah, that person you dread seeing every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What are we going to do with that person? <laughs> Why won't they stop talking? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, all right. So this is other thing here. Um, I'm interested to get your perspective on. Mm -hmm. Uh, here, let me find the right, what I wrote about it, uh, meditation practice for letting go of the past. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm gonna set that up a little bit more. Okay. I know where your brain's going, but this is for me personally. Yeah. I have a hard time letting things go. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about like holding, I do hold some grudges, but, mm -hmm. but I mean, I think everybody does if someone's mm -hmm. done you wrong, but that seems easy, right? If someone's right. stolen something from me, I don't like you. That's yeah. easy. I have a hard time letting things go. Like if I've been rejected or, mm -hmm misunderstood something with someone and I didn't get my chance to clarify it. And I know they're living out there and they think one thing and I'm like, this is not what I meant. You know, like mm -hmm. how do I, how, like what are some practices that you would say for getting, just letting go of that stuff? 
one of the most potent and powerful spiritual tools is a journal. I think when we get it out of our heads and into a place where we can actually look at it, one, it lets me see my thought process. It lets me contextualize what it is I'm actually feeling. And there's usually some nuggets in what we write. And free writing is the best. You just write what you're feeling about the situation, about mm. the person, and really take a look at what you're writing. Um, you know, and there's people who say, well, I find your lessons and your stuff. Well, it's not always a lesson. Like sometimes people just suck and sometimes we <laughs> suck. I think right. owning our suck Oh, absolutely. Too. I've, I've been a dick a lot so of times. A lot of times when, when we're looking at how do I, I don't like saying let go of my past, how to recontext my past and it's something that I can manage. Mm. So if it's something like closure, we may never get closure from this person. Um, we may never get forgiveness. And I think forgiveness is this like weird bandaid we put on things sometimes. It mm. become, it's like become like a catchphrase. Closure and forgiveness are sometimes not available, but we can give ourselves forgiveness around the stuff and what we're feeling in regards to the situation. So if I'm feeling still anxious and angry at this person or the situation, I can own it and say, it's okay for me to feel this way. It's okay to not let this go yet. Hmm. And in not letting you go, I'm learning something about myself. And the journal prompt would be, what am I learning about myself by not letting this go? Um, and where can I soften around this? Not as a lesson or as some like epiphany, but what's the layer beneath this that's really making me feel this way? You know, maybe this person hurt me in a way that I was hurt before, and it's just bringing that thing up again. Ah, they just scratch an yeah. old it's scratch an old wound, or yeah. maybe this person just really pissed me off, and now I'm running through all the scenarios that I could have like done it better, <laughs> right? I could have, I should have said this, I could have said that. This would have been quippier, you know, I would have right. had a cooler story if I said this right. to them, you know? Um, and I think just writing things down helps us. Well, one, it becomes a physical act of release. When I close a journal, I'm literally closing a book on something. Right. Some of us need right. physical affirmations. Huh. Yeah. That's cool. Taking it out of the yeah. metaphysical and giving it a. Yeah. And I think there's this idea that we have to let things go mm. and, and letting go of that lets us be okay with actually letting it go. Feeling it to, yeah, we actually get to right. let it go because we're not trying to let it go anymore. Right. It's like if you, you keep focusing on like the scab and you keep picking at it, yeah. it's not going to heal. never going to heal. Right. But you know it's there and it taught you something. You know, don't, don't <laughs> scrape your knees, don't scrape your shins with the barbell. And, yeah. you know, next time you're probably going to scrape your shins again. Probably because you're a dumbass. But, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, you're, you're not beating yourself up to scrape right. your shins. Wow. Well, man, can you believe we've been going for a full hour? Oh, jeez, Isn't that crazy, right? That's awesome, yeah. Welcome to the time hole. Yeah. The time warp. All right, uh, Mike, uh, Coach Mike, I like yeah. that. Um, where can people find you? Find me here locally at Cottontown CrossFit. I teach at Health Directions, which is like the Medical Center's Wellness Center. Um, my website, michaelbrazel.com. They can find my blog at wildheartfitness.com. Sweet. Yeah, I'm everywhere. I do all kinds of things, so reach out. Um, Text me, call me. I, I go on and off social media. I do these like hiatuses where I shut everything down that's, for like a month. That's a good idea. Yeah. I try that, man. I, I feel like uh, I can't really get away from it though because I need it for business. People say that all the time. I know. And so help me out. So I try. That's what, <laughs> That was my one excuse for not doing it, right. for not letting it go. I said, oh, I need to connect with my people. And here's the thing. If I'm that dependent on it, there's something wrong with it. So yeah. I, I don't delete it. I just deactivated it and sat with like the panic of like, de and then I realized, and I was like, I put these messages, guys, I'm going off, I'm be off Facebook. No one cared. Not one person, <laughs> not one person. But what happened? Like, cool, scroll. Yeah. No, I said, please, like, you want to stay in contact? I was going to delete them. Right. And like, I'm like, I'm going to put these messages out. Not one person like asked for my phone number. Not one person like even noticed the message. Like I'll see it when I and see it. And what you realize is your the yeah. value you're putting in this like space really might not be what you think it is. Right. And what deactivating it for a bit does when it breaks the algorithm. So now like you're not being fed like oh, all this stuff. When I came back to it, huh. like all the ads were wrong, like everything was weird huh. for a while. And then it all went back How to How long did you deactivate it? I was on for about a week and a half. Okay, I think it's so. Do that. I think doing that kind of resets you, but it also invites you to see how are you really in your business. Like, are you actually talking? Like something I didn't realize was right. like I'm not like talking to the. 
people at the grocery store about fitness. I'm like online talking to the same people I always talk to yeah, about fitness. Same people. But I'm not talking to anyone new about my business. And, and that's I, what you need to do. Right. It's like holy crap. old school things that existed before Facebook. Like we, we forgot how to like hype up our business everywhere. Like you should be talking about fitness to everybody. And I'm right. like, I am not doing that. Wow. Yeah, you're just relying on this thing because it's easy. Oh, well, if I, I, oh, I posted the thing up with my classes online and maybe one person shows up. Right. But I'm actually showing up to all these people yeah. here, and my classes are full. If I talk to them, and, and what I noticed <laughs> was like all these people, like like at Health Directions, our members are uh, much older, like sixty plus. My classes are full. None of them following my Facebook, but they all are like there all the time. Hmm. So I realized like people I'm talking to on Facebook aren't showing up to my stuff. The people in my life are. So I need to work where my wow. balance is. Yeah, so, screw that social media. Yeah, I, just, I watched that. Netflix documentary, and I'm like, I delete everything. Oh, that didn't. scared the shit out yeah. of me. <laughs> that's true, though. Yeah. I mean, that stuff's real. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I don't understand why I only see the same, like, 12 people all the time. Yeah. And you start noticing the same people like your stuff, like you're paying yeah. for ads, and the, it's, it's not it's like it's not revolutionizing your world. You're yeah, not really getting on? new membership or new. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's like certain aspects of our business, I, I think we do need those storefronts online because our competitors have them. Then people are going to like, is it real? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. real. Like, yeah. And I think having that like. Or where are you? Yeah. And I'm finding like now on Facebook, I'm much more purposeful about what I post. I'm much more vulnerable. I'm showing up. Right. This is what. Right. I'm not doing what I think people want to see. I'm just doing my thing. You're trying to art direct yeah. the person that you yeah. think they think you are. Yeah. And, right. I, and it means I post less. So even when I'm on it, like I don't post as much. Right. But yeah, I'm on Instagram, Mike Brazel and Facebook in Brazel. So <laughs> find me. And if you don't see me there, just click back in a week Give or two. Give them a week or two. I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, it'll be back. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, man, thank you. Um, yeah, my pleasure. That's some deep stuff. And yeah. uh, I think if, you know, it's going to help some people and, uh, you know, I'll send them your way. If yeah, please do. Help. Absolutely. Thank you. My pleasure. Love it. Awesome. Bye.